everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Token Singaporean. My name is Vonster and today, very lucky to have another Singaporean who also works in the Web3 space to join us and talk a little bit more about how life has been like working in Web3 and how he envisions how things will evolve over time. Welcome, Don. And um, basically, for a start, let's just jump straight to it. Can you tell us a little bit more about your past experiences in the sense that like, what you were doing prior to entering Web3 and then yeah let's just start from there what were you doing previously yeah I'm happy to share for me my background was in political writing so I've been writing on politics for a very very long time many many years published in the local media in various policy websites I've written a book on Singapore politics as well That was sort of like my semi-professional background. And then in my professional corporate career, I was in consulting. Not exactly related to writing on politics. But generally, I spent a lot of time looking at the intersection between politics and the business world. And even in my corporate career, when I was working in consulting, I was also looking at like regulatory compliance. So I spent a lot of time looking at these topics. And sort of like my segue into Web3 was... I mean, you know, Web3 is very, very political, right? In the sense that the technology is radically... If it takes off, if it becomes mainstream, it changes a lot of what we know today. A lot of traditional institutions, how central banks work. So that to me is very exciting. Because when I write on politics, I think of it... I come from an ideological angle. Like, when governments do this, is it right or is it wrong? How is it going to change things? And the segue into Web3 was very, very natural, actually. Uh, just because of how political and how the radical potential in it. So in a way, I feel like it's very interesting to bring a person like Don on board because when we talk about Web3, when we talk about the crypto space, very often people get very excited when they sort of discuss about the latest drops, they talk about the latest coins, they talk about a lot of price-related action, but we don't really have very nice discussions regarding regulations regarding, you know, what it means when people move from the web to the web 3 space. Is our society ready for something like that? How will regulations play a part in changing the entire space, so on and so forth? And from what I know, Don, you are also currently doing something very similar and related to your passion, I guess, is like writing about things like that. Can you tell them a little bit more about what you do currently? Yeah, so after I left consulting, I was there for about three years I started getting very, very interested in crypto and Web3. And that was actually, I considered myself pretty late to the game, actually. This was like late 2020. And then 2021 was the whole boom, right? The whole DeFi thing came about, really, really popped off. And I started writing for various crypto publications. Was Uh, it like just a freelance thing? Was it like just a voluntary job or like how was it like? Pretty much, yes. Yes, it was mostly freelance. And I think maybe if Singaporeans are listening, I feel like every time I tell this story to Singaporeans, they they find it very incredulous. It's like, oh really, you're doing this freelance? It's like, why why do I spend so much time doing something that pays so little? But... To me, it's just very ideologically exciting, right? Writing about this space. So I started writing for magazines like Bitcoin Magazine. I wrote for Crypto Slate. I wrote for a local publication, Chain Debrief. Writing all over the place. And then, of course, I was also writing to Bankless, which if people don't know, Bankless is one of these... It's a US-based uh, media publication, right? They write on... They publish uh, on crypto. 
And so I started writing into Bankless and eventually I joined the team and that's where I am right now. I'm full-time with the, the Bankless team in their editorial department. Right, so that's so interesting. So I mean, in a way, if you think about it, all the freelance work that you did in the past, they were not in vain, right? Because I believe those were what eventually got you to your place today. And also think about independent writers and editors and content creators in general, like Web3 also brings the opportunity to sort of bring value back to creators in a sense. And I maybe we can explore a little bit more later or in future episodes, but yeah, that's something that's super interesting. So prior to Bankless, I understand that you also had another role also in a crypto company, right? What were you doing there? Were you also writing or were you doing something very different? So I spent a few months at Crypto.com doing research. When I was a rich short-lived job, I was then there for yeah, three months. Mm. And I think to actually, I will credit my time there with building sort of like my foundational beliefs, uh, sorry, not beliefs, my foundational knowledge in crypto because... You know, it's so hard to get into crypto. There are so many things you need to learn about before you can actually know like what is this new project or protocol that is going viral, right? You need to know something about how blockchains work. You need to know, wait, what is this? Okay, there's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum. Then what are these like seven other layer ones? Then what is a layer two, right? Mm -hmm. And And how intersect? How does the technological stack look like? So I think my time in doing in research It was very useful for me because I was slowly learning the foundational sort of knowledge that I needed to know to be able to write about the kinds of topics that I write about today. I think that was, research is a lot more technical and then I sort of transitioned out of that into like more popular media now. So now the kinds of things that I write about has a lot more mass consumption, I would say. It's not so technical and it's a lot more palatable to the mainstream sort of like readers. Right. So for yourself, having done research in very technical aspects and now moving on to sort of providing content for the mainstream audience, which do you actually prefer or which is considered more comfortable or meaningful to you? Very good question, actually. Because I'm intellectually excited about, like the reason why I'm in Web3, right, is because I'm intellectually excited about what the technology can do and how it's going to like change incumbent industries, right? So I think for me, it's like the intersection between popular writing on like for a popular media audience and like writing on research. And what I mean by that is I sort of want to write so that a wide audience can read it. But at the same time, I don't want to push the same narrative that every single crypto influencer on Twitter is pushing, which is basically just like, echoing each other a lot, right? Like one project, let's say like this week, right? There's uh, one NFT project or one project just starts going viral and all of them start talking about why this is going to be the next game changer. And they just sort of like echoing each other. And that kind of uh, writing and that kind of audience is really accessible to a mass audience because it's really easy to understand. And what I try to do with my writing personally is I try to bring in a little bit more of a research angle into a popular writing. And that's why I think I said like the intersection between the two. Right. So in a way, can it be rephrased like one thing is a vision to sort of like break down very technical parts or like very uh, deeper topics into like bite-sized or easy to understand information that can cater to a mass audience. Is that what you know sort of like want to do? Exactly that. And also, I think maybe one point is that my background is writing on politics, right? I'm really used to thinking through a normative lens. And by that, I mean, I try to think it through like what 
should or should not be good for a protocol to do. If you read something like Coindesk or like the mainstream crypto publications, right? A lot of these media publications, right? What they try to do is that they take a very neutral stance. They will report on whatever new projects that are coming up in the space, but they try and do it from this position, right, where they are just like neutrally reporting on different topics and different protocols and subjects. When yeah, it's in actual factual, fact, it's very factual in a way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. And my view, right, is that you can try to be as fair as you can, but it's very hard to take a neutral stance because. When you say that something is, let's say for example, right, if you say that Ethereum's tokenomics is good, then that means that there are many other layer ones out there which are bad by extension, by logical extension. Because, for example, Ethereum's uh, tokenomics is extremely decentralized, much more so than a lot of the new layer ones anyway. But if you read some CoinDesk, right, they will try and do it in a way where they are all equal players. We're just reporting on you. And I think that's where I think the bankless product, which is where I am right now, that's where、yep. bankless really sort of stands out from a lot of the other different media publications. Is that they are biased and they are not afraid to say so. They have a thesis. They think that Ethereum is going to be the next big blockchain. It's going to surpass Bitcoin, and they put their position up front very clearly, and they tell you why. I think that some people might be turned off, right? Because like, hey, wait, your reporter is supposed to be neutral and unbiased, but I think that there's value in that approach as well. At least you tell people like this is what I believe, and if you don't believe me, you can contrast what I'm writing and what I'm talking about with the publications, other publications that are talking about other topics. And for me personally, because I'm very used to thinking in through that normative lens, right? Like when I say that when I want to write on a protocol, I try to write it through a lens of okay, this there's something exciting here, and why is it good? What they are doing is it going to achieve their objectives? I think that's that's the exciting thing for me about working and writing in Web three is slowly like dissecting these different projects, these different protocols, and sort of、uh, getting at like the nitty gritty of whether they are actually good for the space and, and what they say they claim to do. Yeah, that's very interesting, and that sort of like segues to it helps to sort of、uh, help us transit to my next question, which. I was going to ask you how you can perceive the culture of the in the media industry in the Web three space, but as you mentioned, I guess at the end of the day, it's more or less the same. You get people who are there to just create articles that's clickbaity in nature. You get a couple of sites that do very very neutral reporting, and then you have sites like Bankless that are like what you say they have a very very specific and clear standpoint, and they stick by that. And but for yourself. I mean, I guess you have touched upon it again. But in summary, are there any like specific ethical values that you stand by? You know, as a writer, when you when deciding, you know, how you want to write and how you want to put your work out in a space. I guess for me, right, and and I think I would say broadly speaking, from the viewpoint of the bankless product, we're interested in covering and propping up projects that are aligned with Web three values. And by Web three values, I mean something like decentralization. There are hundreds and hundreds of different protocols、uh, existing, NFT projects as well, thousands of them. In fact, I can't possibly write on every single thing. So, how do I decide what to pick and what to prop up? And so, there are a few rules of thumb. Like, for example, I will look at whether a project is decentralized enough or not. To me personally. That's a non-negotiable. The extent of decentralization, because 
if you can advocate for a project or if you support a project which is very centralized, then what is the whole purpose of this Web3 thing? It's no different from what they're doing in traditional industries, fintech, Web2, etc. And so to me, that is like, I remind myself, okay, I like this project and why do I like it? And why do I think it's worth writing on? I look at something like how decentralized they are. And we can go into like how you measure that. There are many, many different ways we can look at how decentralized a project is. But that means like one of the non-negotiables. Okay, that's very interesting and very insightful as well because it's important to know. I believe, you know, as content creators, no matter what kind of content creator you are, it's important to sort of have like sort of like guidelines to guide you as you go on with this journey and yeah interesting to hear about yours even you know influencers working in other industries right like let's say like something like a fashion industry like for example if I'm an influencer trying to put on like a very sweet kind of brand I wouldn't take sponsorships from like brands that are more let's say elegant or like very high class you know what I mean there's a certain thing that we want to put forth whatever industry you work in you know, everybody is trying to tell a story and the story that I try to tell is through the decentralized ethos for Web3. And to me, if you're willing to sacrifice on that, then why are you even here in this industry? Yeah, that is true. So in a way, also finding your niche is also in a way and sort of like a, as a writer or rather as a platform, you need to know what is it that you offer very specifically in, in terms of your story, right? Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So, can you tell me a little bit more about, in recent times, things that you've read and you've seen or through your journey in this job? Are there any specific writing or articles that really inspired you? Are there any specific kinds that really makes you cringe, like you really hate it? Definitely, I come across a lot more cringy stuff than non-cringy <laughs> yeah. stuff. It really depends, right? Like, people in Web3, they are in it for many different reasons. Like, for me personally... I come from a more first principles basis, right? Like, I believe that this is... Like, I'm in Web3 because of ABC reasons and then I want to read stuff that are propping up these principles and these ideological reasons, right? Whereas yeah. a lot of, I think it's other people and I was in fact saying most people don't come from a similar angle as myself. They're probably coming through like investor position. How do I get rich quick, right? I heard about a friend who's made who made like 100 ETH on some new NFT project. How do I do the same, right? A lot of people who come in through the, the investor sort of viewpoint, those there's a very, very huge market audience there. And it's just simple economics, right? If there's demand for those types of read articles that helps to like fulfill that demand, there will be a supply. And so if you just spend some time on like crypto Twitter, there's like an endless, endless Twitter threads, articles, right? Of just teaching you how to get rich quick, teaching you how to flip NFTs, how to do these things as, as fast as possible and you can get rich. So for me, a lot of these types of articles, I try to tune them out personally, mm. not because I want to get rich, I want to get rich too. But then for me, I'm in it because I want to know how this industry is going to change the future in 10 years time. So for me, a lot of these types of articles is just so irrelevant to me, right? And also, I'm not saying that all of them are bad. They are generally good ones. But just because of the so commercial nature of it, a lot of these Twitter threads, right? Teaching you how to game airdrops, teaching you how to like flip NFTs and get rich quick. I think a lot of it is just very, very, very brutally... How do I put it? 
there's just no underlying principles to those those kinds of like articles and tutorials. They are just purely teaching you how to get rich quick. They don't care about whatever projects they're asking you to buy. Is it sufficiently decentralized? Is it trustless or not? Like, what are the risks? So that to me, to answer your question about like what makes me, what turns me off, right, is those kinds of articles. And personally for me, I wish I could see less of that. But there are good and bad to it, right? I mean, you bring these these kinds of things like pump the floor price and you pump the floor price when investment comes in, the space grows as a result. So yeah, I guess it's like a double-edged sword. In a way, it's a necessary evil. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it evil. It's just that, I mean, it's for a different purpose. Completely agree with your point in that sense. And I also feel that as much as articles like that, tutorials like that help a lot of people in terms of maybe people do benefit and get rich because they learn a thing from two from that. But all these are also very dependent on the current market situation. And because of that, a lot of these articles also don't stand the test of time. After a while, they become obsolete. Yeah, that's one thing. And at the end of the day, like you said, per education is necessary because we are always seeing so many people who manage to get rich, maybe through these articles. But at the end of the day, they don't even know the basics of like keeping their NFT safe, things like that. And at the end, what's the point? Because and then they get hacked and so on and so forth. And then that's when they start to learn the things that they should have known in the first place, even before getting into the space. So in a way, this get rich thing, yeah, it's good. But at the end of the day, it doesn't serve you much purpose other than giving you that quick buck if you manage to get lucky. Because at the end of the day, education still triumphs over everything. And I agree with you on that. Then there's so many projects that you were talking about, like projects that didn't stand the test of time, right? I don't know whether you're familiar with all these um, the so-called like DeFi 2.0 projects late last year, Olympus, uh, Wonderland, all these yes. like... Um, Projects, yes, right? Olympus like, was, was very big at one point, I remember. Yeah, and, and like late last year, when it was still like the, in the boom market, when all of these new projects first started coming out, right? To answer your question about like what makes me cringe is that these writers who can put together cocksure kind of like viewpoint, right? Like they're telling you, oh, this, there's this new project and this is why if you put money in it, you can more than you can get this much profit out of it. And they write with so so much certainty that this project this new hot new project right is going to help you profit and that to me makes me cringe because you know these projects are so 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 complex it's so difficult to understand I've spent two months looking at Olympus and there are still so many things that I don't understand about the underlying protocol like how do they make revenue and like what are like kind of the blind spots it's just impossible for these Twitter influencers, right, or these YouTube influencers to put together a piece of content one week after the project starts to go viral and tell you why it's like the next big thing. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of it just doesn't, just neglects like the base principles, the first principles of, of like keeping your crypto safe or like teaching you how to invest in projects that are economically sound. And yeah, yeah I just wish there's a lot more of that. Yeah, it's also quite sad. We are often talking about it. That is that in the Web3 space, I think one of the biggest down bad thing about the current space is that it's so speculative in nature and nobody has the patience to learn. Nobody has the patience to wait. Nobody wants to go for games that is like even 10%, you know, in the real world, 10% is huge. But 
maybe to over here if it's not at least a two x people wouldn't even look at it this is the culture that needs to change and yes it will surely happen over time over a few more bull and bear cycles just like how you see in the current market now now that's very bearish like we see a lot of these speculators a lot of these people getting sort of they are rinsed out of the market. Yeah, so we need yeah. a lot of this. Yeah, many many cycles of this in order to sort of set the culture right, set the set the mindset right. It all takes time, I guess. Yeah, and like we were saying earlier, right? I I hate that, but at the same time, it's inevitable because yeah. if you allow people to trade freely, if you allow people to do with their own money what they want to do, it's inevitable that you will see these types of. Speculative cycles, right? There's this saying that as long as there's a speculative component to anything, people are going to speculate on it, and yep. it's inevitable. Um, and you know, no industry in the world, right, in the history of the world, ever got to the top without going through some kind of like speculative phase, right? So it's just very regrettably the case right now for Web three. And I think probably also just because like in the echo chamber, right? I'm reading all these things very closely, so I see a lot of it as well. Yeah, but for me as well, it's exactly the same. And yes, we're on the same page in the sense that this needs to change. But it will, it will. I think over time, it's just the natural way of how things work. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. when space is uh, developed enough, exactly. people are going to come in. People are going to come in to regulate the space, and this is when you see things will change. As much as it goes against the idea of decentralization, but there has to be, at least that's my take. That at the end of the day, there has to be some form of regulations, even within decentralization. If not, it can't. If not, it will just be like wild west forever, and then it's not going to work out. If that's going to be the case, at least that's what I think. Yeah, I feel like this conversation is very interesting, and it will be very insightful for a lot of people because this podcast is generally targeted at people who are very new to crypto. And for very new users, I think a lot of time their exposure comes from Instagram, comes from influencers, so and so forth. So I think this perspective that we are sort of like sharing would be fresh and interesting, and something different from the regular content that they get from wherever they get it from. So actually, this next question that I want to ask you, right, is regarding oh misuse of media tools. My question is that traditional and web two media. Has been blatantly misused or controlled by the rich and powerful to further their agendas, like what we see today in this world. So, do you think that Web three media can avoid falling into this step? And whether you think that specific tools, systems, or fundamental values of Web three that can lead to allow things to happen or be done differently? When you say Web three media, what are you referring to? Like for example, if media is done in a decentralized manner, I don't know. It could be anything. At this point in time, you you can't really specifically define Web three media, right? So, like my question would be that if we use the technology that is within the Web three space, if we are able to make use of this new way of working or like this new ethos that people stand by, or and create something new from there, is there any possibility or are there any specific thing that? In particular, that is not currently in place in the Web two space that will allow this new evolution to not make the same mistakes as current. Yeah, this is a very very interesting question. I'm probably not qualified to answer this, but I me, mean, I can I can take a few guesses and steps at it, right? Web three media. I know that there's a lot of these new projects in the space, like Lens Protocol, for example. 
many, many, I really can't remember their names. Decentralized, yep. like the decentralized social media uh, space of projects, right? All these projects, they are, well, basically what they're doing is they're creating a decentralized Facebook, a decentralized Twitter, a decentralized YouTube. The core difference is that instead of the data stacks being stored on a centralized server, they are being stored on a decentralized blockchain or some kind of decentralized storage like Arweave or Ceramic. And the idea is that users will own their own data and that is supposedly more empowering for users because then you are not such a slave to like Facebook or Twitter's algorithm. So I think insofar as web to social media insofar as it's not a free platform in the sense that people can speak freely or like people can publish viewpoints that are not don't conform to the mainstream consensus and opinion insofar as that is the problem then yes I think decentralized web free social media can does does have a bit more of a problem to solve I don't think for like crypto discussions on Twitter I don't think there is much censorship at all it's usually the red the political opinion, the political space which sees a lot of censorship on Facebook and Twitter because of how controversial it is, right? Like Trump getting banned, that kind of controversy. So I think, honestly, I think the problem is that these Facebook and and Twitter, these companies are so big now and they are being scrutinized by the government, right? And that's why they themselves have to behave a certain way. Otherwise, they will get targeted by the US government with regulations and, and like fines, etc. So, you know, as an extension of what the kinds of censorship that they are doing on their platforms, right? I think Web3 social media has some potential to be able to avoid that, that kinds of censorship. Because right. you can't target a Web3 platform as easily as you can target Facebook. There are still ways. There are probably like certain parts on the technology stack of like Lens Protocol that is still centralized that governments can target but not as easily as uh, Facebook or Twitter or Google. Right, right, right. I guess for myself, I also feel the same way. And I think like this increased openness, owning your own information would be good. But at the same time, that's with every single tool that humans create. It's generally neutral until someone takes it and use it for something bad. So as much as this newfound freedom can be very empowering for each of us, at the same time, when it comes to deciding, we can't really control how this sort of new power invested in these tools are being used in different ways. It could go both ways. It could be very good. It could be super horrible. The double-edged sword, basically, right? Like, for example, what's been going on with Tornado Cash in the past week. Oh, yes. You want to so that you can, you can use it to do good things. Like, for example, I want to donate money to, let's say, uh, Ukraine, right? But then my government against or whatever. Mm. Like, Tornado Cash is for that. I can donate yep. to a good cause for humanitarian reasons, but of course it also allows criminals to use it. So yeah, it's a double-edged sword with, as with most platforms and, and most uh, useful tools in, in the space. Yeah, exactly. Okay, it was a very, very good discussion. So nice having you here, Don. Before we end, we just have one last question to ask you. Can you give our listeners top three tips or tricks to just survive the Web3 space in general? It could be anything top three advice that you want to give someone who is completely new to space and want to navigate in this space? I guess, you know, just really like the basic lessons, right? Go back to your first principles. Mm -hmm. Whatever new 
project that you some friend or somebody you meet that's telling you about, right? Just ignore them because. 99% of the people you meet are not experts even though they speak like one you know like even I mean look at people like Mark Cuban right invest he's like the god investor and he's investing in projects that went kaput like Iron Finance last year the top top investors venture funds investing in Terra and Terra went kaput as well so you know yep. what are the chances that guy that you meet at some conference or that one friend who claims that he has made a lot of money last year what are the chances that he's an expert when he's top investors themselves get things wrong so you know like tune out all the noise tune out Twitter yeah exactly and one more thing if people don't really understand about how top investors invest is that actually what they do as in that's that's the thing about being rich right what you actually need to what you actually can just do is to just throw your money into 10 different baskets as long as one strikes that's it you make back all the money that you have lost so this is not something that a lot of people can do right so yeah that's something also yeah, precisely, right? And yeah. just my advice is just go back to the first principles. Everyone, when they entered the crypto space for the first time, they kept telling you, not your keys, not your crypto. But everyone just thought of like, oh, it's just a catchphrase. I think it's fine if I put my money with Celsius or some, some other like centralized bank, crypto institution, and then look at what happened, you know, exactly. in the past. Uh, so I think just really go back to the first principles. And it's probably boring. I know it's kind of like, it's hard to keep pounding like those first principles, right? In many ways, we come off as like a boomer, right? Like, yeah, so like, well, now the new projects that are morning, everyone's talking about that. Why do I care about like the, the boring like first principles? But, you know, I think they're the most important and just go back to it, understand like, what is this Web3 project about? What did the yeah. earliest founders, why do we think trustlessness is a big issue? Why do we think decentralization is a thing? And as long as you keep those principles close to heart, I think he'll be relatively safe and yeah that really is the best advice yeah it might take you longer to navigate the space but once you get the foundations right there's plenty of time for you to go get that moonshot and perhaps after you get your foundations you might kind of realise that or well, maybe that's not what you're after at the, at the end of the day hard to tell exactly. very interesting okay thanks so much Don thanks for being here so if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, follow us, or you can just drop any questions you might have on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm VNSTR underscore ETH. Don, do you have like a Twitter that you're active on? Yeah, it's just uh, my name, Donovan Choi, D-O-N-O-V-A-N-C-H-O-Y. Cool. Follow Donovan if you want to know more about whatever he's, he's up to and the articles that he's going to put out, so on and so forth. And yeah, we'll catch you on the next episode of The Token Singaporean. See ya!